Northside Connection Podcast Network listeners, this is JT welcoming you into Dodie War Wrestling Above Replacements, a metric, sabermetric-based podcast series, Marcus? Something like that. Something like that. If you're a baseball nerd and you're a wrestling nerd, this is a spot you want to be in for sure. Or just a, a nerd of, in general. Yeah. yeah or just a, <laughs> a lot of nerdgasms going on on this show. Uh, so this is episode... Four already. Oh, we're cruising along, buddy. Uh, and we're kicking off our second season. So on our last episode, we wrapped up the 94-95 season. We uh, did our year-end awards, and we've officially kind of ranked those shows. I will recap really quickly where we landed on those. Uh, our worst show so far, our fifth best show, is WrestleMania 11 at negative 0.75. Royal 95 at 5.5. King of the Ring 94 at 6.5. Survivor Series 94 7.75, and our best pay-per-view to this point, SummerSlam 94 with a grade of 9. And if you are new to the show, I'd recommend pausing now and going back to episode 1, listening to our primer. There's about a 15-minute deep dive on the metrics we're going to use. It's really just a simple plus-minus system, which factors in both match grades and then a bunch of intangibles across numerous categories. Those categories being uh, build, commentary, atmosphere, Notable moments and importance, match grades, card structure, rewatchability, and all-time matches. So we'll do plus-minus each of those categories. How it nets out is those scores that is rattled off for each of the pay-per-views. So that was the 94-95 season. And as you talked about, Marcus, last episode as well, uh, there's no cap, no ceiling on how many points you can get. As we work through this, we're going to kind of naturally see 
kind of what's our tipping point. I mean, we did have our first negative show, so maybe maybe that zero will be our, our midpoint. We'll see as we go through. Um, or maybe it'll be more around the kind of the zero to ten range, which I think we will settle. So with one season in the books, uh, we are now ready to start our second season. We went into our randomizer. The one goal we had in mind was to try and stay away from where we were. We want to kind of vary things up and jump around a bit. Uh, and when we shook up our randomizer, we landed on the year 2011-12. So that means we'll be starting with Extreme Rules 2011 and ending at WrestleMania 20, uh, that 28. <laughs> I get the year and the and the number. It makes me up a lot. So. Uh, so that's our season. So we're we're picking off on a very, you know, divisive WrestleMania, WrestleMania 27. We're coming off of heading in uh, mm-hmm. to a very interesting year. 2011 is is a rather, um, I don't say overlooked at times, maybe maligned by some. You know, I've always felt that the worst, one of the worst seasons in WWE history is 10-11 from WrestleMania 26 to WrestleMania 27. I've always felt it was. Uh, it's quite bad, but uh, we'll see if this, you know, improves upon what was an all-time kind of bottom out year. Any initial thoughts heading in before the season, Marcus, to you? Like, when this came up, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, ugh, were you thinking, well, time to revisit. It's been a while. Were you excited about it? Kind of like, what's your mind's eye before we dive in? Yeah, I was relatively excited for it because this is in that era, at least for me, before the WWE Network started where – they are running like 12, 13, 14 shows a year uh, as mm-hmm. far as pay-per-views go. And it was a little hard to, one, purchase all of the shows. So you kind of got to pick your spot. Um, you know, if there's a pay-per-view in another two weeks, you know, I'm only going to buy one of these two. Which one am I going to buy? So I missed a show here and there. I've gone back on the WWE Network slash the WWE tab on the Peacock Network uh, and maybe watch some of these back over the last few years. But uh, I haven't seen most of these shows more than once or twice, um, with some exceptions for, you know, SummerSlam, Money in the Bank, and some bigger shows. But um, so this is all relatively fresh material for me to go back and kind of analyze. Um, I do think it is important. Um, I think we're going to have a couple series of matches with uh, a few different superstars that kind of unlock their potential um and i was looking forward to watching that play out throughout the season it's an interesting season for sure and for me it, it's kind of similar but i was actually i guess i was fairly locked in actually at this point um i can't say it's one i've revisited a lot but in the moment i was watching quite a bit because we we're still going to picasso's for these pay-per-views in 2011 um, into 2012, really until my my daughter was born in early 12 is when I tapered a bit. So for this year, like we were going pretty much monthly to watch the pay-per-views at the bar. And it was also the first year the Place to Be podcast had started in that February. And Scott and I were still, you know, doing a lot of headlines episodes every week where we were breaking down like news and notes and what was going on and previewing pay-per-views. So we were pretty dialed into the current product. So it's actually a year... Uh, looking back, I was pretty familiar with in the moment, like I was listening to other podcasts, like, you know, it weren't many, but right, the ones that were. So I had a lot kind of going on where I was pretty tapped into into the actual product itself. But again, it's one that, I you know, it's been 10 years now, which is crazy, but it's been mm-hmm. 10 years. So I haven't I haven't in that 10 years gone back and like revisited a lot of this. So um, it may be something I was familiar with and, and sucked into at the time, but 10 years has gone by. So a lot of it will feel fresh. Some of the minutia of it, whereas the, you know, the major stuff may stick out. So it'll be interesting to talk about. It's definitely quite the divergence 
from where we were previously, but it's also not super recent to where uh, it's like, oh, I'm going to relive that year right now. <laughs> like, it's it's an interesting one. And obviously, we're going to get, you know, the Summer of Punk in here. So, like, there's a lot of cool stuff we're going to hit to see how it how it holds up and how it lives on. Um, so our first show is coming off WrestleMania. Like we said, it's Extreme Rules 2011. It uh, took place on May 1st, 2011, from the Tampa, uh, Florida, St. Pete Times Forum. And features quite the card. Sure does. Uh, I'll write it down. Yeah, we start off with a return match from WrestleMania. Um, oh, real we don't quick. Know that yet. Hold on. There, there was a dark match. It was a Sin Cara defeated Tyson Kidd in the dark match. We should just call that out. Oh, uh, now I kind of want to see that match. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but our opener is Randy Orton versus CM Punk. Um, and that is a last man standing match. Um, I went two and three quarters on it. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a pretty good opener. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I was quite a bit higher than you, which I feel is an upset probably <laughs> when you look at this uh, time period and how our uh, grades tend to go. So I actually went three and a half. Like I, I thought it was a pretty hard hitting match. Uh, I thought they they really you know leaned into the stipulation, which was the uh, uh, last man standing. And I you know I'm not always the biggest fan of a last man standing match, but I thought this one was well executed. I thought they carried over the chemistry from Mania. And uh, I thought they did a good job. I thought the, the crowd was into it. Uh, you know, Punk is in an interesting spot right now, too, on the card. Uh, kind of fading with the new Nexus stuff and not quite there yet where he's going to be. Uh, but he's still like a name guy. He's still got a lot of credibility. And I think you and I are both pretty pro Orton. So, yeah, I like this match quite a bit. I thought I had a good build behind it. Yeah, um, at least for this time period, I can tend to be a bit lower on cm punk than some um i know you and aaron are pretty high on his work listening to no holds barred and uh the monthly workers rankings um i tend to trend a little bit lower on cm punk uh during this time period but i am very high on orton so i ended up i feel like falling in the lower end of uh, where i would go with this match and i do think it's not like i don't like cm punk i just Mm -hmm. think he is a character that like is always changing in WWE and that's not always the case with WWE superstars and characters. And so sometimes it's hard for me to be fully into one of his matches because him as a character, at least for me, it's like he hasn't found himself yet as whatever this incarnation of his character is. Right. Um, And he is going to get to that point um, later on in the season. But for right here, I feel like he's kind of treading water a little bit. Um, he's not where he needs to be, and it just lacked a little something for me. All right. Uh, uh, so our second match. Yeah, we've got a United States title match. A United States title match as Sheamus is defending against Kofi Kingston, and Kofi Kingston's going to pick up uh, the big win there in the tables match. I really like this a lot. I went three and a quarter. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was well executed. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Kofi, and I'm a very big fan of Sheamus. He ranked uh, fairly highly on my GWE list a few years ago, and that's you know not including over the last five years output. So I've always been a Sheamus guy, and I'm glad he's starting to get his kind of overall respect. 
as uh, time has gone on. So, no, this was a fun match. It was a cool moment with Kofi taking the U.S. title. I was It actually kind of surprised me when he won. So, yeah, three and a quarter. I, I, this, is, this is well done. And it'll kick off another interesting season for Sheamus. that will see some change for him as we go along. Yeah, definitely. I love Sheamus's work. Um, I tend to be a little bit higher on his work as well. And Kofi Kingston, like, I just feel like, how do you not like Kofi Kingston? Um, I really enjoy Kofi's work. Uh, I thought these two brought the goods. Uh, next up, we do have the... <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we've got the country whipping match, as we have Jack Swagger and Michael Cole versus Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. So, I mean... This feud started okay, right? Like with Cole and Lawler and Miz and everything that kind of happened early in 2011. Mm-hmm. And it should have ended at WrestleMania <laughs> with Lawler getting his first WrestleMania match and WrestleMania win by destroying Moko Cole, pile driving the shit out of him and ending this feud. Unfortunately, they got infatuated with this heel Cole gimmick and decided to keep it going. So they have Cole win a mania in what ends up being an awful match. One of the worst in WrestleMania history, if not the worst. And then it plays out where they, of course, have to drag Jim Ross in. You know, we can't have a year. We're not the season. We're not humiliating Jim Ross. So we're going to bring him in. You bring in Jack Swagger, who's got nothing else going on, apparently, than being Cole's backup and bully. And then we do this tag. It's just... I don't know. It's like, and then it doesn't even end here. Like Cole pins him with the low, with the schoolboy. So now we're going to continue on. And that is one of the trends of these later seasons we're going to get into is the constant rematch, rematch, rematch city and dragging these feuds out to fill these pay-per-views, which and sometimes is good, but sometimes with this, I'm all right. Like we didn't need Cole and King and Ross. Like we didn't need this to go, three or four months and one of the big problems with it is cole and king and njr but more so cole and king are you know actively announcing matches all card like on this show cole does the back end lawler did the opener with booker t josh matthews in there but these guys are like actively commentating on these shows so the feud and the characters are bleeding into every fucking match on the card mm-hmm. with Cole doing the over the top heel shtick, King rebutting them. Like it's and it's it's bleeding in. And the problem is when they aren't arguing and kind of yucking it up, which they do a ton of time, it, it goes against the grain of the feud. So, like, the whole thing is just weird and it didn't need to drag on this much, especially given how omnipresent they are on the rest of the card. Yeah, and like you said, unfortunately, we're not going to be done here. Uh, this is very much in the era of, like, three's a must uh, when it comes to pay-per-view matches. And I can even forgive running it back from WrestleMania. Like, you want to get Jim Ross involved. You want to get Swagger involved physically. Okay. You want to get a big gimmick match, happy build. Like, okay. I can, like, I don't agree with it, but I can forgive it, and I can stomach it. But the fact that this must continue... Right. It's too much. It's absolutely too much. Uh, I went a star. Um, it wasn't quite like the worst thing I've ever seen, but it is one of the worst things like I've had to sit through. Not as bad as not as bad as a WrestleMania match. But 
still not. I went. I mean, I went point five. So you saved it, I guess, from from being an all time bad. Um, it averages out to what be an all time bad. And I guess I should really quickly go back. The opener uh, averaged out to three point one two five. So that was three quarters of a war. Uh, same with Seamus Kofi, three quarters. And then this is a negative 1.75. So it's going to severely weigh down this card, which is why we're doing it the way we're doing it, right? Like it should weigh down this card quite a bit because mm-hmm. it is a blight. It is it is a match that nobody would want to rewatch. Um, thankfully, it only was seven minutes, but it felt like 27. Like it's just it's just too much. This this view just is. Cole isn't like enough of over enough heel and. Sadly, at this point, like I don't think Lawler's an over enough face to make this. All no, work. no. Um, and then like you get Jim Ross involved, people just want to see Jim Ross like commentate. Like he, nobody wants to see him wrestle. So, I guess the sooner we can move on, the better, because we're gonna have unfortunately plenty more opportunity to talk about uh, what could have been, what should have been, and what shouldn't have been with this feud. Uh-huh. Um, next up, we've got Rey Mysterio versus Cody Rhodes, and that is a false count anywhere match. I went. Two and a half on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, right around the same. I went two seven five. So this is an interesting year for Cody, as we'll see, right? Like, it's around this time. He's. I don't think he had it yet, right? He didn't have the face guard and all that yet. Uh, yes, he had the face guard. Uh, okay, because Ray, Ray had kicked him. Yeah, already. going into WrestleMania. Yeah, so before WrestleMania, he's doing the handsome, the dashing Cody Rhodes. And then now he starts to do like the brooding Dr. Doom Cody Rhodes for a while through this feud. So it's an interesting year for him to see as he works up the card as a heel. I think it's a good use of Ray, too. Like, you know, he's kind of settled into that veteran guy. You can move up to a title match, but you can also use him as a gatekeeper. So I think he's actually a really good guy to have in a feud with Cody. And it ends up being pretty good. Like, they they open it up a bit. Uh, we get the mist where Ray spits the mist in Cody's face and pins him. Do you think Cody should have won this match? Uh, I, I do like the finish with, with Ray introducing the mist. Um, I thought that was interesting and kind of like a, a special thing to pull out for an extreme rules match. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with Ray Mysterio going over given the, the mist and all the aura that surrounds it. Um, I did want to touch on like real quickly, uh, you mentioned it as well. Uh, Ray Mysterio is somebody who could be in the main event, but also somebody that you can move down and, and kind of utilize in the mid card to help boost up the next generation or what should be the next generation of superstars. Uh, so I think that's something they did really well here and is something they should be doing a lot more of in that previous season that we don't get to talk about here, but uh, that 2010 into 2011 and even so much like 2011 into 2012, like they should really be using those established stars that are on their way out the door to get over this new generation of talent. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I think it would have been a golden opportunity to continue using a guy like, like in race status 11 in future years to put over younger stars for sure. Like, and, and he's a guy that can work too. He can go. So it's like, it seems like a, a no brainer. Um, so we'll see if it continues on, but again, I, it's not the worst thing. Like it was a good finish and it made sense given the story with Cody trying to protect his face. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, Big match for me, uh, being the huge Lay Cool Stan, as the kids would say. Real quick uh, before we do that, just that was a 0.25 bump, oh. um, 2.65 average grade. So they get a quarter, quarter of a, a point for war on that. Go thank ahead. you, thank you for keeping the math straight. Uh, but next up we got Layla versus Michelle McCool in uh, the explosion of 
lay cool. I refuse to say team lay cool. They are just <laughs> lay cool. Um, but this match is no disqualification and no count out and loser leaves WWE. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of sad. Like we're not going to get to really talk about lay cool at all because <laughs> this was Michelle's last match. Like she's done after this. Um, so Layla wins the, the blow off, but yeah, I mean, we'll have a couple seasons before this to dig in deep to lay cool when we get there. But for now, for sure, like this is it. And the match ends up being okay. Like it, it's, it, you know, it's probably in the better end. You know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how some of these diva matches track over time. Um, before the women's revolution hits years later, right? This is kind of that, Mm-hmm. interesting zone right you kind of have the post trish and lita zone which is like 0709 where they still had some workers there but then you kind of get to this area where it's a little grayer and they kind of tick back into you know like i don't see it you know just workers that aren't as heralded or with a track record they need to kind of prove themselves before we get to that next level. So it'll be curious to see how this like 2010 to 2014 range holds up. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think at least for me, I think we have two of like two of the better women during this time period. Like I, at least in my head, like Layla's work really holds up. And I think Michelle McCool is severely underrated. Um, I think the faith breaker is better than styles clash. Um, and I'm really sad, like, we don't get to cover any more late cool. So something to look forward to for a different season. Um, I went two and a half on this one. Yeah, I went two and a quarter uh, again. So, it, you know, pretty, pretty solid match and, and a pretty big moment with the official end of late cool and the end of Michelle McCool's wrestling career. Uh, she never really comes back, right? Just maybe a one off. Is she in one of the rumbles or anything like that? I think, I think she she's is, in. Huh? Yeah, I think she's maybe the Evolution Battle Royal, maybe. Right. And I think she's in two rumbles. Yeah, so she does little little one-offs, but all intents and purposes, as a full-time competitor, she's done yeah. here, um, which seems crazy. Like, <laughs> like it seems like she's around much longer. Like, it's nuts to me that she's already long gone before any of the revolution stuff hits. Like, she's gone years before that. Yeah. All right, so that uh, leads us to 2.375, which is a wash, so. Not bad. Um. Next up, though, we do have a big-time matchup as we have Christian versus Alberto Alberto Del Rio for the vacant World Heavyweight Championship in a ladder match. Um, We know that Edge had retired uh, a little bit before this event, and so this is the fallout from that as Edge retired with the World Heavyweight Championship. And so this is Christian's big moment to finally capture the gold. Um, And a surprising turn turn of events I went three and a quarter. I went into this maybe with my expectations too high. Yeah. Given who's involved um, and knowing like what's to come for really both of these men in the year. Um, but something was just missing. Um, I don't know if it was like forced to be an epic. Um, I also think like some of the psychology of the match um, and, it's ridiculous kind of to, to pick apart Christian psychology, but I think it's just a way that whoever laid the match out, um, it's like a lot of downtime and then climbing and then a big spot and then a lot of downtime. So like the drama is kind of taken out of the quest for the championship up the ladder. 
Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's clunky. Um, the latter piece, I, I feel like Edge was too involved. Um, I get why they did it. Like, I think emotions were still high with him retiring and all that. But this felt like if you're going to crown Christian, crown Christian, right? You know, mm. I think also at the time it felt like, it, you know, Del Rio kind of got screwed. <laughs> like, he didn't beat Edge because Edge was retiring. So they vacate the belt and then they give it to Christian to pay off Edge. Reti- so it's like, he kind of got hosed in this when yeah. he was probably at his hottest. And yeah, they both go on to have great years and they have a great match a couple years later at main at, at SummerSlam 13. Like, so my expectations were definitely elevated coming in, but it just got really clunky with Brodus Clay in the mix, Rodriguez, Edge. Like, there's just a lot going on in this match. Um, and it feels like it felt like a uh, I mean, I hate to compare it, but it felt like a Ray Chavo 06 situation where mm-hmm. they were just giving this to Christian because of Edge and they didn't trust him to win a big match and hold the world title and be the guy on the show. So they had to overbook the shit out of it and put Edge on his hip to get him over. So I thought all that like definitely helped drag this down. Yeah, I I think that's a great uh, summary of like everything that happened, but <laughs> I can't help but laugh. <laughs> Brodus Clay got destroyed. Oh God! I wish they should have. You know, his legacy oh. as a as a human may be better if they just take him out here for good. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> then he wouldn't be bloated with the NWA TV title on Fox News or what the fuck he's got going on these days. But looking very unwell. But yeah, he gets cracked with a ladder shot by Christian. Like like he owed Christian money. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty brutal. Christian knew. He knew. He knew. <laughs> he, we should have listened to Christian ten years ago. Yeah, he knew something the rest of us didn't. God, didn't he get pointed at for like harassment too? Or I believe so. Yeah, think so. Old person. Think so. Yeah. Overall bad placer. Um, following up that that big time matchup, we've got uh, Big Zeke. And Wade Barrett versus Kane and the Big Show. And this is for the WWE Tag Team titles as well. And it is a Lumberjack match. Um, There's, I think like we might fall into this a little bit. Like this is very below replacement level. And there's just not a ton to talk about. Like it's just kind of thrown together. Um, We'll talk about that a little bit later in the breakdown. But. Uh, I went two stars here. Yeah, I went one and a half. It was just hard to get into. Like, Kane and Big Show and the tag title picture. Like, okay, we did that five years ago. <laughs> like, we back to it now. Uh, I just feel like such a, we got nothing else with these guys type of thing. And the Nexus slash core slash whatever the hell they are now, like, just feels so played out and blah. Like, it just there's just no heat there at all. Just it, It's such a filler match which kind of sucks is to get the tag champions and the IC champion in here. And this is what we're doing. Like this blase lumberjack match with no heat uh, goes four minutes with a team that no one cares about. Yeah. And this is kind of like a perfect situation to take the tag titles off of Kane and big show. Like you've got the core, which is a spinoff of the Nexus and Barrett is a strong character for the company during this time. And they clearly like, like Zeke, um, you know, he's, he's, he's everything that want, like he's, he's built tremendously. So, um, like you've got the lumberjacks on the outside, you've got the built in excuse for like the core to get involved. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a good chance to like switch the titles and at least put a little something on the core, but, 
Uh, can Big Show going to retain? I think the core is just cooked. I think it's the problem. It's like this is no, nothing to them, no heat behind them, and they're pretty much done anyway after this. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to hit the, uh, the math on that? Yeah, yes. And I'm sorry, Christian Del Rio – uh, average up to three and a quarter, so that was a 0.75 uh, addition to the war. This was 1.75 average, so that's negative 0.34 quarter. So they're pretty much canceled out Christian Del Rio um, on there. So this has been, I mean, it's telling you, right? It's been kind of a shaky show where everything's right around, you know, a one with the war, either plus minus. Yeah, a lot of give, a lot of take. Uh, but a chance, chance to end on a high note for the WWE Championship in a steel cage match, we have The Miz, John Morrison, and John Cena. Um, Miz is champion going into this match, having retained at WrestleMania. Um, I went three and a quarter on it. It was better than I expected. Uh, they had some good spots, and I thought they worked it decently well, being that it's a triple threat and you don't have the benefit of tossing somebody out of the ring or mm-hmm. going out and using the table or, uh, you know, brawling, brawling in the crowd and, you know, getting lost or whatever. So uh, I thought they did pretty well given that it's a triple threat and they really like utilized Morrison's guess character work and all the parkour stuff. Like Morrison felt like he had a shot because it was a cage match and Miz felt like he had a shot because he is kind of like that smarmy heel who, you know, is going to hide and pick his opportunities. And this is like prime Cena, so you can never count him out. Yeah, I went three. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty good, pretty solid match. Obviously, the Mania match was quite disappointing, both between the concussion, the rock overshadowing it, and then Miz shockingly retaining. Um, I, I mean, I guess this is the makeup for that. And it, it just feels like they probably should have just had Cena win a man Mania. I mean, I like the Miz. Like, I thought he had a fine reign, but... You get that kind of a fart finish, and then you could you change the title in a triple threat cage with Morrison on this show. Like it's not like it ended up being a big win or a big moment, you know. So it just seems like an odd decision that ended up leading here that kind of ends up being not much. So yeah, if if you're gonna beat Miz uh, and you're gonna take the title off of him, like do it in a memorable fashion. And unfortunately, the month after WrestleMania uh, is not exactly memorable. Like you had the well, and it's to- not like a big star. It's not like a Cena Miz big time match. You know, it's right. And I like Morrison, um, and I'm glad he got this spot because he was. This is probably his best stretch, right? It was like late ten, early yeah. eleven. He had that great match with Miz on Raw, and then yeah. also. Um, there was a lot of rumors when Rock came back that they were going to hotshot Cena Rock at Mania 27 and then do Miz Morrison for the world title underneath, which could have been pretty good. And they ended up holding off Rock for the year build instead. Um, and Morrison kind of got screwed. So it was nice to see them go back to him here. It's just he feels like a little bit left out. And then it's just odd to see Cena. Like, I was actually surprised Miz didn't just retain here. And then have Cena beat him because they're gonna fight again anyway. Have Cena beat him in a singles match to win the belt. But all in, it nets out to three point one two five for the, again point seven five. And then overall for the show, average grade at two point five three, and that's a point seven five um, total war. So right around just over you know zero. So you know it kind of plays out like I think when you look at everything and the way it boils out outside of the one 
you know, really bad match, everything else was pretty much hovering around acceptable and nothing else. Yeah. And, you know, I am down on the opener. I think if I wasn't so down on the opener, it might help the overall score a little bit more. But I mean, this is, you know, a tick above replacement level. So uh, as, as far as the matches go, so it feels right. And then I guess we should throw out here at the end of the show, this what the show's maybe mess, most known for is uh, the news that broke worldwide after the show. Or it was actually right around the end of the show that Osama bin Laden had been killed by U.S. troops. And the funny thing is, um, <laughs> The Rock, I, like, I don't know how involved on Twitter you were at this point, but The Rock actually like broke the news. Because I remember getting home from the show and seeing it on the news, but like we were at the bar and on Twitter, I remember The Rock saying like, great job getting them. It was something benign like that. But like of all people, he knew like first. And then (laughs) Cena, after the show goes off the air, actually announced to the live audience about it. And I remember going home and putting on the news and like it was all over the news. So... This show's pretty infamous for that as well. I'm surprised they didn't work that into the angle between Rock and Cena, that, uh, <laughs> that Rock was a step ahead. With the <laughs> <Right. Osama> bin <laughs> I knew news. about Bin Laden before you did, you pretender. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that, what, a, what a moment. Um, I know we talked about that like when we went over the show. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, yeah, is this, this is the show, right? Like This, yeah. is, this is where Cena announces uh, Osama Bin Laden has been caught and put to a compromising end. Now that wasn't on air, right? It was after. Yeah, it was after that was right. called on, uh, you know, the equivalent of fan cam. Right. No, pretty cool moment. And I mean, those are like the earlier days of Twitter. Uh, when did, when did Twitter start? I was like 10, oh, oh nine or 10. Right. So I mean, it's pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah. Late. So, um, yeah. So there you go. All right. Why don't we get into our plus minus, so starting with build, uh, we gave a point for the Orton Punk build, which I rolled on for Mania and been a pretty good feud. The Rey Mysterio Cody, again, similar to that, had a good match of Mania. And then you had the kick in the face and the face mask. The Lay Cool split obviously had been well built with them having such a long run on top as the kind of the bully heel team and finally splitting at the seams. And then Christian Del Rio, uh, when you factored all the edge stuff, the retirement and how Christian ends up with that match with the vacant title. Uh, you know, the build was pretty good, even if the match is a little disappointing. Yeah, and as far as takeaways uh, or minuses, uh, Lawler Cole, this feud that must continue for some reason, uh, they should be thankful we only dignum one, and lack of a build for the core versus Cannon Big Show. Yep, so that nets out to uh, positive two on the on the plus minus or build. So not too bad considering everything going on. And the funny thing is, like Lawler Cole had builds. <laughs> like we usually we grade it like, oh, if this, if this build is good, but the build was should not have existed it was so shitty yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not worth the point nope all right commentary and this is going to end up being an interesting one because this is like booker t's big year on commentary in 2011 is a 2012 uh, you and i both counted him as a positive here i don't know if that's going to hold for me going forward but i did think he was pretty good on the show yeah overall i turned pretty high on booker t uh i do love the booker man this is the year of uh him busting out terms like shucky ducky quack quack and uh my fave five and having like 10 people listed <laughs> so. and he was also on this was the tough enough year too right yeah i Wasn't think so with, yeah. uh, austin on tough enough and all that i think so yeah that's either 
11 or 12 years. I think it's okay. 11. Uh, I think it's 11. Because I think, again, it was the first year place to be. I think we, we covered it. Because that was okay. like the best tough enough season. That was with Austin and the barn and Molina versus Alicia Fox and all that. That was all that season. <laughs> yes. And Stoke Hole taking belts from people. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. that was good. Basketball um, fidgets. Yeah, but overall, like, I think commentary is going to be a challenge um, mm. as we move forward this season. But for now, Booker T at least stands out um, as a positive. All right. And the negative stands out as well. You sure do. Um, we did ding Lawler and Cole minus two here. Um, as you mentioned earlier, it just it it bleeds and vomits mm. all over the show um, into every into every match. And it's so constant that when it's not happening, you notice that they're not bickering and it becomes an issue as to, well, why aren't they bickering? Right. Um, they should be bickering. They hate each other. Why are they <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's constant. It's just all over the show constantly. And, you know, I think Cole would be funny in spurts as the heel, but it just, it just never ends. It's unbearable. And he's just so over the top with it. Yeah. So that shakes things out. That's a minus one overall. Yeah, so not good. Uh, commentary actively hurting the show. All right, atmosphere. Uh, it was a pretty hot crowd through this whole show. They did a good job hanging in. And then, of course, the Bin Laden stuff, even though it's not on air, like just the feel after that and the way it played out. And, you know, it stands out. This is the Bin Laden show, right? So, again, the atmosphere of all that goes with that makes us, you know, get, gets a bonus point. Yeah. Uh and on the minus side of the equation, we've got Lawler and Cole. Uh, again, they're going to get dinged, <laughs> going to get dinged in this category um, because they really brought the crowd down. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it was it was a surprisingly hot crowd, and you know we got a cool post show moment that stands out in our memories. Um, but Cole Lawler stand out on the negative side. Notable moments and importance. We got a, a little handful here. We have Christian winning the title. You know, his first championship, singles championship at a world title level. So a big moment there. Edge coming out after he had retired. The crowd is pretty into him. Even if we felt like it hindered the moment in the match, it's still a pretty good moment overall when Edge comes out. Uh, Cena winning the title. Obviously a big title change. Bin Laden. Uh, that moment, of course, is, uh, again, like probably the first thing you think of with the show. Uh, Karma coming out and ending Michelle McCool's career. So the end mm. of her run, which, you know, she had been around for I think she was in the Diva Search, what, like, 04 or 05? Like, she's been around for a while. Yeah, I think so, she was in the 05 one. Yeah. yeah, so pretty much ends a six-year run where she was one of the premier women on the show. Uh, and then the Kofi Sheamus finish. There's a really cool t- table spot into Kofi winning the belt, which was was a cool moment. So, Yeah, um, a lot of, lot of positives there. Um, on the minus side... Uh, the tag titles meant absolutely nothing. Um, they were the filler match uh, between the two world title matches. And we went minus two for Cole beating Lawler yet again. Yeah, and just pushing that feud further than it needed to go. We didn't need to have it happen again. Um, you know, Ross getting involved wasn't really necessary. So, yeah, just anti-important. <laughs> so that nets out to a three. So it does some damage there. Uh, match grades were already hit. That was .75 average. For card structure, we had a few here. We had a false count anywhere and the no DQ back to back. Um, do we mean that as a negative or do we like that? <laughs> we have it as a positive here, but. Oh, uh, yeah, that that should have been. Yeah, that should be another other side. OK, and then we have Cena closing the show, which was good. Yeah. 
title. Um, all right, so that then is a one, which actually is going to play a pretty big role, Marcus, in where this finishes overall. Uh-oh. Um, so we'll get to that in a minute. All right, uh, rewatchability, we gave a point to Orton Punk and to Christian's winning the title. Yeah, and to take away from that, we've got Lawler Cole, uh, that tag match. <laughs> Riddling the costs. show with damage. Uh, so one overall. And then no all-time good, and thanks to you, no all-time bad. It should have been uh, that tag. Yeah, you salvaged that, it. That was too gracious. Zero there. So that gives us a total uh, score for this paper of 8.75. It was 9.75 till we realized that that, that clerical error we had um, on the plus minus for the uh, card structure, meaning, Marcus, this would have been our number one show, uh, but now it is number two, still below SummerSlam 94. It would have been above if we left it alone without fixing our mistake. <laughs> so. good, thing, good thing we caught the error. Uh, the signs worked out uh, because this does not feel like the number one overall show. And that's probably just due to like the natural progression of match quality uh, from 94 to 2011. Like just wrestlers being better and more athletic, but it's a big aggregator show. It's like a compiler <laughs> the, the, uh, Craig Bishop yeah. shows where it's like, it just, it kind of, picked up increments of things um but it, it stands out because more stuff is happening too right like one of the issues with those early 90s shows may be a lot of filler where stuff doesn't happen right like we talked about that where they, they were still kind of doing the random name matches that didn't have much of anything to it like a, a mabel jared or you know whatever right like matches that just didn't add a lot to the ongoing so here like more stuff is happening even if the overall quality or nostalgia is lower. Um, there's still a lot, uh, a lot going on. So yeah, that, that helped it. yeah, the, the card is much more dependent on the, the week to week TV. Um, and even at that, I mean, you've got two or three TV shows to, to kind of build up a card. So, uh, that progression makes sense. So there you go. SummerSlam 94 still reigns. And honestly, when you look at it too, like, SummerSlam 94 at least kind of had that great match, whereas this doesn't. Um, so I think that, that's good, too, that it finishes above it. Yeah. So Again, it just talks to, I think we're going to see this a lot. Like you said, the more modern stuff is going to have more balance overall because the general match qualities is higher from a match-to-match basis. So even when stuff doesn't pop, it's more likely going to be a bunch of matches around that two-and-a-half range to three that just kind of are fine versus living lower than that with a couple that pop. Yeah, and I don't know, like, I feel like there's a point in time where, like, a two and a half or three star match, like, changes Mm -hmm. from, like, era to era. And I don't know when, like, when that exactly is. Um, And I'm kind of looking forward to, like, seeing if I can identify where that point is for me personally during this project. Right. Um, But, like, we already see it here where, like, a three star match is, like, significantly better than a three star match in 1994. Yeah, agreed. So it'll be interesting to track along with the rest of this project. So we have one more show to go here tonight. We'll get to in a moment. Just want to talk about North-South Connection. Tons of cool stuff coming at you most days of the week. A lot of evergreen content, just like this show. So there's stuff that you can pick up anytime. Put it put it aside for a few weeks if you need to. Come back and catch up. You're not going to miss much. Uh, that said, we do have a couple of shows that actually are hitting on current wrestling, right? We have 
Uh, you know what that means? It's our AEW podcast every other Friday with Andrew Reese and Jordan Duncan hitting on the you know topical goings on in the world of all elite wrestling. And also Sean and Souza do Impact. Uh, they're at us usually at least quarterly, but sometimes in between where they're breaking down all the big Impact events. So that's timely. Ryan Gray also does a lot of work on uh, current WWE, whether it's previewing big pay-per-view events or even did like a breakdown of the draft a few weeks ago. Uh, God, it's already even longer than that, probably months ago now. Uh, but he does a really good job with those previews. And then, of course, you and Tim Taylor, uh, after every major wrestling pay-per-view event, you are up within hours on Viewer's Choice, breaking down the good, the bad, what's worth watching, what, what you can miss when it comes to the world of WAW, NXT, big shows. So, yes, we have tons of evergreen content like this show, but you also have some cool, timely, topical stuff covering the current world of pro wrestling. Uh, subscribe, leave us a, re- a rating, a review. I'm super proud of all the content we churn out. Like I said, like I said last episode here, you know, sometimes shows go on hiatus, like Wrestling Warzone, TNA Never Dies, and then others step in and fill the gap, and we just keep churning out the content. I love everyone that produces for us, and uh, I would put up our content against any podcast feed out there. Yeah, I feel like uh, our our variety of content we've got going out across the feed, um, it's just, it's so diverse, and um, again, like, everybody's really passionate about what they do, what they cover and, and deliver it in an entertaining way. And, and it's insightful and we've got lots of personalities. So, uh, I'm a believer in like giving everything a shot and uh-huh. if something's not for you, then it's not for you. But uh, I think everything's worth, uh, at least checking out one time. Um, we've really got some good stuff all across the feed. And we specialize on like the deep dive, like all of our shows. That's one thing I, I like is that it like this, right? We go into the minutia, we go into the numbers, we go into the, the deep thoughts and and what goes into stuff there the edge of the cheese platter is parv and alan used to say letters from uh, cafe but it's like we kind of hit that you know the forgot overlook stuff not just the stuff that ever remembers and that's kind of consistent consistent on all our shows which i really like without a doubt deep dives like this yeah, very deep dive <laughs> um, all right let's hit our final show of the night and that is uh, over the limit 2011 This one almost put me over the limit of this project for sure. <laughs> uh, so this was on May 22nd, 2011. So just a few weeks after Extreme Rules from Seattle, Washington, the key arena. And, you know, used to be Judgment Day in the slot. Changed it over here to over the limit a year ago. And now that's kind of where we're at. So uh, uh, our announced team is quite loaded up. We have Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, Booker T, Josh Matthews, Jim Ross, and Jerry Lawler pretty much spread out across the show uh, for better or for worse. So Marcus, you want to walk us through the, uh, the card? Uh, sure. We'll uh, starting us off. Uh, I should see if we have a dark match first. Uh, we do. Uh, we've got Daniel Bryan defeating Drew McIntyre in mm. the dark match. And it's like uh, <laughs> in the main event, 2021. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That should have made the main card. Um, right. But our first official match of the night on the pay-per-view, we've got, the newly turned heel R-Truth defeating Rey Mysterio. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, you never really want to say, like, maybe peaking in the opener. Uh, and not a full peak, because we have a classic later. But outside of that classic, we're kind of peaking here in the opener a little. Uh, I thought this was really good. Like, R-Truth's heel turn is, is 
pretty classic with the attack on uh, John Morrison on mm-hmm. Raw, and then he's smoking a cigarette. I think it was like, <laughs> right, he's sitting there smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And, yep. and starting to run his mouth and talk a little crazy, and it's going to lead lead to the biggest push of his WWE career for sure over the rest of the year. And again, we talked about this with Ray earlier on in the show around Extreme Rules. Um, a good use of a guy like him to help gatekeep, you know, not that R-Truth is young, right? But he's a new heel getting a push. Mysterio is a perfect guy to throw out there to feed to him because he's bulletproof. A loss isn't going to hurt, but it's believable when he gets beat. It's like a big deal. So I, I was a pretty good match. I went two and three quarters. I enjoyed it as an opener. I was just a tick below you. I went at two and a half. Um but I did really enjoy like all the character work here of our truth and of Ray Mysterio. Like Ray is like you said, the perfect guy to throw out here um, to get some sympathy. Um, but also like really cement, like if you're beating up on Ray Mysterio, you're a pretty bad dude. Um, but yeah, enjoying the new R truth that we're seeing. Um, I know it started technically the month before, but it didn't really make pay-per-view uh, at least not in match form. I know mm-hmm. it runs out there to uh, attack Morrison, which is what we should have mentioned, but um yeah, first match we get to see of R-Truth, uh, and it's kind of exciting to see where he's going to end up uh, at the next pay-per-view, uh, but two and a half for me. All right, so averages out to 2.625 with a war of 0.25. Right on. Uh, next, we've got uh, Big Zeke, Ezekiel Jackson, going up against Wade Barrett, and this is going to be for the Intercontinental title as well. Uh Big Zeke is uh, going to win, but he's going to win by disqualification. Yeah, I just, uh, again, the core stuff is, feels so bland. At once the Nexus got nuked by Cena at SummerSlam, like, it just wasn't really the same after that. And no. yep. then you do the split, and, like, who really cares about the core? And I just feel like Barrett really sputtered after having such a promising start to his run. Um, and, I, I mean, Zeke was fine, but he's not, like, going to really catch the world on fire so this really feels like a low point for the ic title in general in the company like not just because of who's involved but also the presentation and where it is on the card so it's like a forgotten overlooked belt you know it wasn't even on the line our last show it was in a tag match and then here it's just like the second match on the card doesn't get a lot of hype doesn't get a lot of build to it, it goes seven minutes it's forgettable so it, just, it feels like we're really kind of bottoming out with the IC title division. Yeah, uh, I went to um, – and Barrett already feels like – he's a fresh face. Like, he's relatively mm-hmm. new. Um, but, like, he's already being put in these spots to, like, all right, go make go make Big Zeke look good. And, um, like, they're not really caring for him or, like, his presentation or anything like that. So disappointing to see that that's already started by this point. Yep. So uh, twos across the board for a a negative 0.5 total war. All right. Next up, we do have Sin Cara versus Chavo Guerrero on pay-per-view in 2011. I cannot believe when Chavo came out like that he was still around at this point. I thought he was long gone. Because what was he doing this stuff with the with the magical door and horns? Like, wasn't that all before this? Like, how is he still that's here? All t- that's 2010, I believe. Oh, my God. It's like yeah. still fucking hanging around. I mean, at least he puts over Sin Cara, I guess. Um, you know, this is kind of Sin Cara's big push as a solo actor in this stretch. But it's not long <laughs> before, you know, the fake Sin Cara is better than him. And he's out the door. So it's <laughs> it's um, it, it's just, you know whatever it's chavo 
in 2011, which is about the worst possible thing you could say to me as a wrestling fan. <laughs> and Sakara does not do nearly enough to carry this match. Yeah, I will co-sign everything you just said. Uh, nothing more to elaborate. Two for me. Um, and no thank you to ever seeing Chavo again. And I think think this is it, right? This is the last time we're going to see Chavo. Oh, I hope so. So that's good. He's done. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see him. It's the last time this season we'll see him. We'll yeah, see plenty yeah. of him. I don't mind Chavo pre-Lake 06. After that, I'm, I'm out on Chavo. Uh, I'm out after the Chavo classic stuff. I felt that was his peak. Yeah, it's about, yeah, right around the same time. Actually, I didn't mind Kerwin White. <laughs> like, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> it's really post-Eddie death Chavo is where he loses me. Um, and then he really loses me when he, like, beats Punk for the ECW belt and all that. Like, that's when I really started to hate him. Um, because I was just so, so sick of him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, two feels like ten here, but good for them, I guess. So <laughs> negative point five on this one. Uh, not the most promising star for, for Mr. Uh, many Masks. <laughs> no um we've got kane and the big show versus cm punk and mason ryan and this is going to be for the wwe tag team championship uh big show and kane do retain again this feels just a little depressing like yeah back we talked about extreme rules kane and show back in the tag division we got nothing else to do feels a bit like division killers and like cm punk who's super over pretty much at all times has been red hot whether it's with the straight edge society whether it's you know le- kind of faux leading the nexus and then he's here with mason fucking ryan in a tag title match he doesn't even <laughs> win against kane and big show like what are we doing this feels like such a misappropriation of resources during this time um uh, I'm not saying like like you have stars, but to to be wasting Punk in this role, and I get it. I mean, I I know like they had the contract stuff going on during this little stretch here, so maybe it's a little bit of a like we're not going to give you much because you may be leaving. But it just feels like a super waste when you see him roll out there with Mason Ryan. So I went two and a half, which speaks to the you know abilities of Punk and even Kane and Show to thread together a match like this. But it just feels like a waste of resources. Yeah, and I don't think we're at the point with Kane and Big Show where, like, they can't follow to a two-and-a-half-star match. And, like, that's what they do here. Like, Punk is clearly in control. Uh, He's able to guide Mason Ryan to a passable match. Uh, Kane and Big Show do a good job of, like, I guess doing their part of, like, being big and, you know, playing the numbers game and and getting the double choke slam on Ryan and trying to do a little bit of storytelling there. But two-and-a-half for me. Um, I'd rather not see this again, though. Agreed. Um, oh, speaking of matches, I'd rather not <laughs> see again. It doesn't stop. We've got Brie Bella versus Kelly Kelly, and this is going to be for the Divas Championship. Yeah, I just not much doing here. Um, you know, the Bellas will eventually get better. Like, I'm I'm not an anti-Bella. I think, like, Nikki especially gets pretty good and doesn't get the credit she probably deserves. I think Brie was serviceable, not in 2011 when they had just come back off the layoff, hadn't quite put it together yet. I don't think they started dating. <laughs> They've been dating Cena and Brian yet. I'm not sure. That's when the work rate picks up, but not, not quite yet. <laughs> um, and, and when Kelly's the ring general, we're probably in a little bit of trouble. Like again, she's someone that I thought figured it out, but she is somebody that needs a, a counter worker to carry her and let her bump and fly around. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> Plenty of that is coming. Um, 
right. Kelly Kelly this year. So we'll get know. there, but she needs a base to fly off of, not Brie Bella. So I went one and a half, um, which again maybe exceeds expectations, but uh, just not not the women's division we would come to know and love right now yeah. on the show. Yeah, these two exceeded expectations for me, but uh, I went to um, Bree's going to get better. Nikki especially is going to get better. Um, and Kelly Kelly does a pretty good job here, cons- uh, all things considered, with like her experience level. And um, it's kind of like the blind leading the blind in this match. So that gives us a war of point, a negative 0.75. I should say our last tag title match was a zero. That washed out a two and a half average, so... Uh, we're in a tough spot so far. It's been tough sledding on these match grades, but that's about to turn around. Absolutely is, as we have the first match in a series of what's going to be just a, a all-timer series as far as I'm concerned. Uh, for the World Heavyweight Championship from the SmackDown side, we've got Randy Orton versus Christian. Um, Randy Orton is the champion going into this, uh, coming off of... Uh, the big win on SmackDown, they did the stuff with uh, the draft and, and you know, whatever you want to call it, the draft, the shake-up, whatever. Um, but we saw last pay-per-view, Christian got the title, and Randy Orton's going to make it over to SmackDown. And kind of like in a retaliation uh, to what Raw's doing, Teddy Long is going to uh, make a big-time matchup of Randy Orton versus Christian on Orton's first night in. And... Orton's going to pick up the, the W and kind of stomp out Christian's title uh, reign and, and all the feel good that went along with it uh, relatively shortly. And I just think it's a masterful job that WWE did of like already using some of like the internet um, narrative and like the thoughts of, of the internet fan and the more informed fan, I, I should say, um, I don't know against is the right term, but like uh-huh. they do kind of like use a popular consensus uh, against everybody uh, because everybody was so happy that Christian finally won the big one and you see Orton's on SmackDown and then they do exactly what you think and fear they're going to do and put the title on Orton. But the ride they're about to take us on um, is, is some really legendary stuff. Um, but the first match in the series, I went four and a quarter. Yeah, I mean, it's a great match. It's a great series. I, I agree with everything you just said. It felt like, again, it comes true what we talked about. Like they didn't trust Christian maybe to be that champion yet, and they pulled the belt off him within weeks. But I don't think anyone expected him to then be embroiled in a major world title feud for the, for most of the year, delivering classic matches. So, you know, it's hard to complain after given the output we get and where things go. So I went four on this one. And we're just going to build to a beautiful crescendo in this feud with lots of fun stuff to come. So this match sticks out like a shining beacon on a very dark <laughs> card. Um, it's it's one of those ones that's, you know, just a terrible card with a classic buried in it. So average of 4.125, that gives it a 1.75 war and is going to save this show from being an all-time, all-time bad match quality. It's still going to be up there. It's going to be quite bad. But um, it does save it a little bit from being, like, legendarily bad. Yeah, and it, it just barely misses being a, an all-timer for us uh, as a consensus pick. And, like, it just – it really reminded me of, like, an old-school, like, NWA title defense uh, that you'd mm-hmm. see between, like, Wyndham and Flair or something like that. Like, I thought this was just a really good matchup. But what is not a really good matchup <laughs> is – 
There's more. As we have Jerry the King Lawler versus Michael Cole. And uh, we're going to have some stipulations on this. It is a kiss my foot match. And if Michael Cole wins, uh, Lawler would have to surrender his WWE Hall of Fame ring and then personally induct Michael Cole into the Hall of Fame. Thankfully, uh, that does not happen as um, Jerry Lawler is going to pick up the W. And I want a star for some reason. <laughs> um, I guess Saving it again for being an all-time bad. I went to half a star. I mean, the only positive is the feud ends, at least here. Like, we're finally done. Uh, right? This is it. Yes. Yeah, this yeah. is it. So Waller finally puts it to bed months after anyone cared or that it meant anything. Like, this speaks again to why it should have ended um, at Mania. Because by the time it does end, it doesn't matter. And Cole is still obnoxious on commentary after. So, like, it doesn't really end. <laughs> like, like, it does for the feud, but it doesn't end Cole's reign of terror as a, a you know, negative negative voice on commentary um no not at all and like we'll probably get to it uh when we go over the plus and minuses of the show as a whole but like they do do the big uh i guess like character payoff for cole and like right. this whole feud with the the parade of of payback um i think eve torres comes out and uh jim ross comes out and then of course you get bret hart coming out uh to finally get uh the foot in michael cole's mouth but uh even given like this match is only three minutes long which is maybe it's saving grace for me uh that parade of payback just takes forever and i'm pretty sure we'll talk about that in a bit but uh you want to tell us how that shakes out number wise i mean thanks to you that 0.75 which gives it a negative 2.25 um on its war score which is not good at all uh for match capacity but it is saved it's not all time bad because we both have to be 0.75 or lower uh three quarter star or lower to be an all-time bad match so saved by you but not good the only saving grace again is that the feud is cooked well i've got news for you (laughs) it gets worse in our main event of the evening this is why this project is good for us because I would have never fingered this car. Like if someone says one of the worst pay-per-views, like this one would not have jumped out at me without really thinking about it. And now looking at it by the numbers and rewatching it, it is awful. Like, I'm so glad I never spent money on the show, (laughs) but our main event for the WWE championship, it is an I quit match as John Cena defends against Mike, the Miz with Alex Riley. Hmm. And a Rye, it's a Rye. <laughs> so, um, we'll talk about it. Uh, the next show that we cover, Tim Cable's uh, favorite movie star, Alex Riley. I, I, I do like Alex Riley, uh, but he's such I mean, the like when I think of the generic, like early 2010s wrestler with the generic angry butt rock theme. With the generic, I just think Alex Riley, like, that's the thing. I'm not okay. (laughs) I'm angry. Like, you know, it was just theme music. Like, you know, look at me. Like, and and just the generic tights and the look. It's just, it is like peak caw WWE developmental era with guys like this. Yeah, that's the thing. He is every part of create a superstar. 
for WWE at this point. Like he's got the college background. He's got the successful parents. Uh, you know, he comes from uh, a house of wealth. He's got, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of a character, but you know, it's not really an over the top gimmick. And uh, he's got, you know, the the muscled up body. Uh, you know, he looks like son of Luger almost, <laughs> and that's high praise. But um, yeah, I, I I like Alex Riley, and I remember when he was on NXT, I was like, oh, that dude's gonna be WWE champion. Like, he's got it. Like, he's exactly what they're looking for. Um, and I thought that's maybe where we were heading here, but. Uh, we've got Cena versus The Miz, and um, if you ever want to hear a better breakdown of this matchup, uh, Aaron does a wonderful job <laughs> of, of really, um, really discussing this match and just uh, on the, the year bad, that was, yeah, on the year that was, um, and just the really poor theater. And I was really surprised at like how bad the mic work was because I think of The Miz, and I'm like, right. okay, come on, very, John, very Say good, John. Yeah, Just and do it, John. He's awful here, John. John, I have a weapon. <laughs> oh my God! And it's funny because in our last episode we had something similar with Roddy Piper refereeing Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund in an I Quit match with the audience. You know, so like <laughs> then you had that, and now here's like another version of it where it's just this, you know, pathos play of. Miz and Riley doing whatever they can to just like destroy Cena while he just narrates it in the most monotone way. You know, you want to quit, John. I'm yeah, going it... to choke you out now, John. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be so bad if like we didn't know the company could do really good I quit matches. Right. Like we've seen with Cena and, J- and JBL. Cena so, and like, Maga. Right. So like we know what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. And like that is not the case here, John. <laughs> John, I have a weapon. <laughs> and then, then we get the dusty finish in there too, where they replay the Foley Rock. I quit. Yes. Ninety nine, where they had recorded Cena saying I quit on Raw in a promo, and they play it. So then they stop the match, and then the referee realizes it's a recording. Uh, uh, and then you get the finish with Riley taking the bump. It just, yeah, it's just an all-time bad bait event. Like, I, it may not be one that pops in people's minds right away, but it was bad. It was, I, I actually went zero. Dud. I, I found nothing redeeming in this. Um, it's my only other dud along with Undertaker Undertaker. So it tells you <laughs> where I'm at on this thing. It, but what hurts it, too, is, like, it's 25 minutes. At least take or take or is like not that long, but 25 minutes of this, like with nothing redeeming, nothing. This match could have not existed in history and no one would have cared. There's nothing that happens in this match that makes you say we had to have this match. And by comparison, take or take or was only nine minutes. So this is almost triple the length of that. Oh, man. It is real bad and i like miz but there's a reason why this ends his world title run for now um it's this whole feud has not been good like the mania match is a shit show the triple threat with morrison is fine and then this is just garbage like legendary all-time level garbage um i i went 0.5 but 
just hearing you talk about it and I usually don't change uh, my ratings, but if it's not too late, I think I need to zero it out. Um, Thank you. This, um, I think I even went like 0.5, maybe just for some of the, some of the bumps that Riley takes. Um, Cena, Cena kind of lays it in, but um, that's that's really overall unrelated to the match. Um, there there is no good. So it's terrible. Complete dud. Yeah, especially when you consider the investment of time. Which is 20, 25 minutes? Is that how mm-hmm. long this was? Um, yeah, not not good. This is this is also like uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll see it in other seasons, but like to me, this is this is the height of the scenocalypse, um, as as myself and Tim call it. Um, like this is DeathCon vibes, like Cena. Like this is I I don't think that's how DeathCon works, but like it's it's the worst version of John Cena. Like it is the most powerful version of John Cena that just completely overpowers. Uh, anything that he's in and like John Cena must look good no matter what. Right. Yeah. This is where a lot of people tune out on him. And it's funny because you would like memory may tell you it was earlier um, because of like Oh seven and stuff like so where he had the long monster, but at least he was still great in the ring. This is where it was like, this guy's going to be done. Like everyone was done with him. They wanted to see sting taker raw. Anyone take him out at this point. It is like, it, everyone was just completely, completely over John Cena. And it's not until 2015 that he really turns it around with the U.S. title challenge and like all that stuff where he starts to kind of regain his reputation. Because up until then, outside of the rock match at 28, it's like a bunch of not good stuff outside of blips here and there to the point where when Brock Lesnar destroys him at SummerSlam 14, it's like the most cathartic <laughs> moment in wrestling history. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to get to some, some high points for Cena, but I, you know, I'm not going to say that it's less about Cena, but um, I think he's definitely unlocked. Um, you know, his potential is unlocked uh, later this season, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of bad from Cena during this time period. Cause yeah, he just, just the epitome of it. he, annihilates people um well he's in like his worst of like hogan like formula this is his worst formula run like you know when hogan got to like those later years where i guess maybe it's like early wcw years was like doing the formula without the passion kind of thing it's just like like all right hit the big moves and get out that's what this felt like for like super cena to the worst like dig a SummerSlam with nexus right like all of that yeah yep just wrecking guys um this is why everyone was just like out on him by this point. And it's amazing that he turned it around to the point where, you know, I think he's like a top five guy of all time, you know, on GWS. <laughs> so, I mean, if he retired in like 2013, it's a very different story. Yeah. It just kind of proves like how powerful that those three hours of television they have every Monday night are. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like how much good you can do with like, here's 20 minutes, go do something good. Completely changes the narrative on John Cena's career. All right, so that gives it a negative 0.25, which is arguably the worst you can do unless we give negative grades. But I'm usually a dud and out guy. I don't usually go yeah. below that. So uh, the average match rating is just under two for this show, and that includes this match that we had. We had over four, so that tells you how bad everything else was. Uh, and for a negative four total war, so. It's definitely our worst show so far from a pure match grade standpoint. Like, 
even WrestleMania 11 was, you know, significantly better than this by by points. Um, yeah, everything even 94, 95 was. So that just tells you how bad this was from a match quality standpoint, which like shouldn't probably happen at this point, you know. At this point, and we given the quality of workers they have and the time they give, like this should not have be happening at this point. No, right. not none whatsoever. All right, let's set our plus minus uh, for build. We gave a point to Miz defeating Ray and Truth to get the title shot. So at least it wasn't just like lazily him getting another title match. Uh, the Ray Truth spinoff feud that came out of all that with Truth turning heel, and then Christian's uh, rematch coming off of SmackDown had some good build. Just that whole feud with Orton. Yeah, that's also a great start with Christian and Orton. Um, but as far as minuses, Cole and Lawler continuing. Um, you know, we probably should have dinged it some more, but only one tier. And a waste to see on Punk. Um, we see what they're going to do later, but it's not like he's not capable of that now. Um, he's just kind of wasting away with uh, Mason Ryan and the new Nexus. All right, so that's out to a one, and it's going to be the only positive grade the show gets uh, <laughs> oh, on that yeah. build. So. All right, commentary. Uh, I thought the commentary for the world title with Christian Orton was really, really good. They were pretty dialed in during that match, and they, less no bullshit. Yeah, um, thankfully, uh, they did that justice. Um, but once again, we have too much focus on Lawler and Cole. Um, again, it just it just covers everything else on the show. Um, it's impossible for them to exist on commentary and have this feud going on at the same time. All right, so a big donut there for that one that cancels out. Uh, atmosphere, we like the cars. The end oh, yeah. set looked kind of cool, the different cars and stuff. So an Edge was in one of them for that match. So there you go. That's it. That was a nice little moment. Um, I was kind of surprised to see the cars because I had thought we'd already moved to, like, the cookie-cutter WCW 2000 kind of set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's, All right, this is the set. It's going to be here all, all the time. Uh, the only thing that's going to change are the color of the lights. But um, as far as atmosphere in the minus section, we felt like it was a bland atmosphere overall. And the crowd was D.E.D. for the main event. Absolutely oh, dead. So dead. Can't blame them. 25 minutes of Miz whispering into a microphone. And Seattle's usually a fairly good crowd, but not for this. They were just checked out. Uh, so that's a negative one there. Uh, notable moments. We finally get the payoff to Lawler beating Cole. So we gave it a little nod that it finally ended. And uh, Orton Christian, obviously, kind of kicking off their feud is, is a great moment. Yeah. Um, but on minuses, we have zero title changes. So nothing of consequence happened as far as the gold is concerned. And we have an all time bad main event. Awful. All right. So that zeroes out. So nothing there. We get the negative four from match grades, which is just not good at all. Uh, card structure, the tag title match is uh, close to the middle of the card, or the tag match, just to say. So I guess that was a positive. But Yeah, because I think it's it's all singles matches. Um, so they broke up, you know, that flow of the, of mm-hmm. the show with the tag title match in the middle. Uh, what do you get for negatives? Yeah, as far as negatives, uh, well, negatives, seven out of the eight matches are singles matches. Um, they definitely should have closed with the World Heavyweight Championship match. Can you know, all things considered, um, which is how bad that main event ended up being. Speaking of the main event, it was severely uh, not just underwhelming, but it was awful. Um, and the amount of time that it took for Cole to get his just desserts uh, with, uh, you know, the parade at the end was 
was just too much. Even with that match only going three minutes, it still took a long time to get to the payoff. All right. So negative three there. The show's actually got worse as we've gone because I'm correcting a lot of math here that we had butchered as we were prepping. Um, all right. Rewatchability, obviously, Orton Christian gets the point. It's it's a great match. Easily rewatchable. Uh, that whole feud is. Yep. But it's going to end there. Um, Cole Lawler is going to take away from that. Uh, both the match and the post-match. The terrible main event goes almost, I mean, including entrances and video package. I mean, now we're talking about 35 minutes worth of time. So, Brutal. Uh, yeah, way too much. All right, so negative one there. And then all-time matches, uh, because of my grade, Orton Christian didn't quite crack that barrier. But Cena Miz both checked it at double zeros, which puts it below the threshold. So negative one for all-time matches, because it does have an all-time worst match by our Capaza score. And Marcus, our final grade on this show, uh, based on our metrics, is negative nine. So... We talked about WrestleMania 11 on our last show, and that checked in at negative 0.75. So that was pretty much like we thought, okay, probably the near the bottom, but this just blows it away. So by far our worst show. It'll be interesting if anything touches it anytime soon. Um, just the lack of any quality matches, and just imagine if it didn't have Orton Christian. Like that's, oh. I mean, that's like an all timer that saves the show, but. That main event is so bad, and then the, everything else on the card is so just exists at best. Um, but negative nine is going to probably set the bottom for quite a while, which, again, I feel like our average, as I'm starting to look at it, I think our average show is going to be more in that, like, zero to, like, seven, eight range. I think we'll see our best shows far exceed that, and our worst shows dip below but I don't think zero is going to end up being our balance point. I think it's going to be more like five or six. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, that just might be a, a natural, uh, more positive outlook on, on, you know, wrestling through the years. But, uh, I mean, this one, I feel good that like we're getting a, a show that has like such a, a varying degree of, mm-hmm. of a rating. Like, <laughs> like this, it's going to be hard to like imagine anything like, going below this um so i feel like maybe the ceiling or maybe the floor has been set but um, i don't know i feel like there may be some stuff in 10 there's some stuff in 12 that's shaky oh yeah and i think they're i don't know like i'm curious where like a wrestlemania 9 may land you know like stuff like that wrestlemania 2 i don't know we'll see like there may be ones that are up there too wrestlemania 32 for sure i think it's going to eclipse this like so i think there'll be ones but this is setting our floor for a while probably it's bad it was real bad i couldn't believe how bad it was like it shocked me when we hit that um so that is now of the eight shows we've talked about that is the bottom of the bottom negative nine war wrestlemania 11 in uh seventh place with negative 0.75 i'm sorry this is seven shows so sixth place uh, fifth place, we're almost 95 at 5.5. Fourth place, King of the Ring 94 at 6.5. Third place, Survivor Series 94 at 7.75. Second place, Extreme Rules 2011 at 8.75. Just below SummerSlam 94, our best show to date at a 9. So. The field is filling out. That's it. We're doing some work, buddy. Uh, we're two, two into 11-12 season now, so. On our next episode, we'll be back in two weeks' time. We'll touch on Capital Punishment 2011 and a very well-known show, Money in the Bank 2011. So 
I'm feeling like we may see our, our ceiling maybe set soon with an all-time classic pay-per-view that we're going to touch on. Yeah, we've got a good one in store, so uh, curious to see where that one's going to gonna land. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, 11 definitely picks up a little bit as the year goes on, so we'll touch on that. So definitely check out everything on North-South Connection. Continue to follow and uh, any, provide any feedback again to the, any of the metrics or discussion you hear today. And we'll look forward to keep bringing this to you. Remember, live your life above replacement level and join us here every two weeks to talk to everyone. Take care. Secondhand like glory, missed the bus, but I'm in no hurry. Molasses fast, no business born. One foot in the hole.